if we've never met, to catch up with you, lead the vineyard here with my wife Michelle, and uh, it's a fun place to be, it's a great church to be part of, and it's a place where we're helping people say yes to Jesus, that's the vision, that's the mission, it's a place where hope is, is, is actually realized, and actually will then we give it away. So, so glad that you're with us. If it's your first time, we'd love to connect with you. One of the ways that you can connect is you can fill out a Get Connect card. And there's going to be going around in our baskets, I hope. Maybe they have already gone around. So fill them in and drop them in at the, the uh, information desk just beside the reception desk on the way out. We'd love to connect with you. Send you an email. Uh, so I'm going to just transition. We're going to continue worship by giving back to God what he has given to us. And that's us being generous. And as you heard from Matt... What we do with the money here is we're not interested in stockpiling a bank account or having shares or anything like that. We're not that smart. And, uh, but what we want to do is give away to our community what God has given to us. And we want to see communities transformed by the power of Jesus. And we're seeing that on a weekly, weekly basis here in Dungannon and also further abroad, here, near and far. So please, uh, let me pray first and we'll uh, send the offering baskets around. Father God, we thank you for all you're doing in this community. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts right now, Jesus. Thank you that you are so, so good. God, you're so good. And God, I pray this morning as we open up the ancient scriptures, as we tell stories of hope, God, here, near and far, God, I pray that lives would be transformed, hearts would be opened and awakened to you. God, would you come right now in the power of your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, do what you need to do this morning. Come, come Jesus, we thank you for your goodness, for your outrageous generosity. Hmm. You're so good. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, last week, where I can't believe it, this is the 4th of December. Can you believe that we're into December? Do you know what day tomorrow is? It's my birthday. And so I'm going to be hanging around the back straight after this conversation, waiting on uh, birthday cards, presents, uh, Liverpool tickets for Anfield. If anybody can organize that, green black, I hope you're in the room. Um, no, 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 no. That's insane. And uh, it's also the day that I take this thing off called the beard. So, it, it, yeah, I'm losing it today straight after. So please hang around. Uh, by the way, if you're part of this church, uh, I don't want you to give towards this. The money's going towards OFC. I don't want you to give towards my beard. I want you to give towards the hampers. So please don't give toward. To, don't give me any money today, unless it's a birthday present. Then please feel free to to do that. So we uh, Advent, yeah. Last week, Matt was. Did he show up? Did you show up? Yeah, you were here. We were in India, and. Uh, you're going to hear a bit about that in a minute. But we, uh, we kicked off this ancient practice called Advent. And I love Advent. It comes from a Latin word. It just means coming or arrival. And in that place, in that space, where the Hebrews were sitting in this time period, where the Hebrews were remembering and expecting Jesus to come. And now us, as the church of Jesus Christ, when Jesus has come, we're actually waiting in expectation for him to return. So it's this expectation and it's this adventure. And it's Jesus among us. And that's why he can do anything here this morning. He can heal broken bodies, broken minds, broken hearts. He can come and change the direction of our life in a moment, instantaneously in a moment. He's that good. He's that kind. It is possible for God to break into our lives this morning if we're expectant. It's possible for God to break in and, and, and heal marriages and transform lives and heal broken bones and broken minds, like I've said. And Jesus, when he left his throne, he leaned into a dark world. And he's always doing that. He's always leaning in. God is not hiding from society. He's not hiding from culture. He's actually leaning in to a decaying culture all the time. And his rule and his reign is that we would taste the future of heaven here on earth right now. So there's great expectation. I hope that there's some expectation in the room today. I hope you're expecting Jesus to show up at any moment. He can come to your chair. He can show up in an instant. And that's why we pray Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's expectancy. You're actually expecting someone like Jesus, someone who is God, to show up in the room. And he wants to express his total vision for us in our lives, in our communities. And our great expectation, my great expectation this morning is more of the kingdom. 
more of God's rule and reign in our hearts, in our families, in our world, in our community, in your street, in your town, in your work, that God's rule and reign, the presence of Jesus, would be radically changing and transforming everywhere that you go. There's expectation that's needed for that. And I think that the greater our expectation, the more kingdom. The more kingdom expectation, the more we see the kingdom of God happen in our midst. And so we are stepping into Christmas. We are lighting the room up. But we're also doing some other things. We're, we're leaving space for God to come and bring what he brings. And so this morning, as we continue with Advent, my hope and my prayer is that he brings peace. A peace that Michelle said that passes our understanding. A peace that, that, that comes and goes past the logic and goes past the natural and goes past what, the, what, what society says and what, what the battles we're facing right now. That peace that, that, that sets itself in a good place in our souls. That goes past the logic, goes past the barriers and reaches into the deep place. That's the peace that we're expecting this morning. So can we pray? In fact, let me just do something kind of different this morning. We always wait to the end of a celebration to pray for people. If you need peace this morning, I want to pray for you right now that God would come and transform your heart this morning. Whatever the situation is, that you would know the peace, the peace of God that guards your heart. The peace of God that guards your heart right now. Some of us just need peace, and there's nothing like Christmas to turn up the turmoil in our hearts. So that's you. Would, you. would you be kind as every head's bowed, eyes closed? I just want to pray for you. Pray over you. Bless you in Jesus' name. Would you quickly just put your hand in the air say that I could do with some peace right now in my life. Thanks, 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 thanks. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. God, would you come in the power of your spirit right now. Holy Spirit, come. Wonderful Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come right now? Pray there would just be a deep peace. A deep peace right now. Spirit of God, would you descend in the room. Let your witty presence come and lighten our mood. Lighten the situation. Lighten our minds right now in Jesus' name. So just increase your presence, Holy Spirit. Increase your presence. And that's Holy Spirit. Some of you are feeling the witty presence on your shoulders. Yeah? yeah. And that's not, the feeling is not the, the issue here is just that God is kind and he's in the room. So God, would you come? Would you come? Would you come? You're so kind. Increase that peace right now. Amen. I mean, let's face it. Who couldn't do with a little peace at this time of year, right? I mean, it's kind of a hypothetical question, right? We all could do with it. There's actually always, well, I always find about December, there's always more month than money. I don't know about you, but it's always that for our house. And uh, things just get, get replaced in our hearts, in our, in our expectation. And we, we see it all around us. And there's, there's nothing knocks our, our peace like sometimes Christmas. It can be. It can be that moment, that time where, where family stuff is more heightened and it's more awkward and it's more intensified. And with all that's going on, peace actually doesn't make it to the top of the Christmas list. For whatever reason, because of the, the tension, because of the money, because of the pressures, because of society. Sometimes peace doesn't make it to the top of our Christmas list. And this morning, I want peace to be part of your Christmas. I want it to be the top of your Christmas list here this morning. And so I want to read a scripture, an ancient scripture that's read this time of year. And then I'm going to change things slightly this morning, if that's okay. I'm going to uh, have some stories told about what peace does, what it looks like in reality. Are you up for that? And then when we're finished that part, when we're done with that, we're going to uh, just invite you to come. We're going to pray for you that God would break into your life this morning, that you would actually experience peace, the shalom of God, that peace that is to live without conflict, but it's much more than that. We want to do that for you this morning. Would you be up for that? So I'm going to read scripture, we're going to tell stories, and then we're going to pray for you, and then we're going to go home and see Liverpool. Does that sound like a good Sunday? That sounds like a great Sunday, doesn't it? Thank you. Thank you. Be quiet. <laughs> I was going to act this out this morning, but just back from in there with no time for costumes or anything else. We were going to do the whole nativity scene. Uh, we had ordered donkeys and everything else, but things fell through. So I do apologize for that there. But we do have some amazing lights here this morning. In those days, Caesar Augustus, he issued a decree 
that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. That was the first census that took place with Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to be registered with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in clothes and she placed him in a manger because there was no great room available. There was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. (laughs) But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. All the people in all centuries, in all nations, in all towns, right here in Dungannon. This is good news. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And it says, suddenly a great company of heaven, heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. You might be here this morning and you might be thinking, you know what, that peace is for favorites and I'm not on that list. Do you ever think like that? Peace for whom his favor rests, on whom his favor rests. Now, I don't know, do you disqualify yourself from the favor of God at a time? Do you ever think that I ain't making the favorite list, so that's not me. It's for the person beside me. It's for the holy people. It's for those who read the Bible 365 uh, a year, the Bible in a year. It's for people to get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and pray. Uh, It's for really holy people. It's for people that show up on Sunday, give 10% and do all that. It's for the favorite people, and I'm not yet on that list. So I'll just take myself off the list, and somebody's going to get peace this morning. Does anybody think like that? Sometimes. Sometimes I think that I'm not, I'm not on the favorite list. I'm not on the favorite list. But here, listen, here's the deal. Remember when Jesus launched his ministry and he stood up in a synagogue and somebody handed him a, a, a scroll and he opens up the scroll from the prophet Isaiah, an ancient scroll, and he goes to that prophecy that talks all about Jesus, King Messiah. And you find it in Luke chapter four. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me, right? And he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And in John 3.16, it's, it's an easy one. If you grew up in church in Northern Ireland at all, you probably memorized this as a kid. You got 2P or something for memorizing it. And maybe you got a bar of chocolate. That's what we did in the Brellerns on Friday night. You got a whole bar of chocolate yourself. Thank God for the Brellern. You got a full Mars bar or Twix. And it wasn't the small Mars bars in those days. It was a big size Mars bars. And you got one of them if you remembered. And you probably learned a scripture like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, you're in. You're in. Because his favor is for everyone, and God so loves the world, so you're in. So the favor is not just for the somebody beside you, the somebody in your work, or somebody in another church, somebody in your family. Actually, everybody that's sitting on a black chair today, you're in. Favor is for you. And peace is available to you right now. His peace can rest on you because his favor is on you. His peace can rest in you because his favor is already on you. We just need to learn to do that. Do you remember to whom this message was of peace was delivered to? Anybody? I read it. There's no trick question. Guess who? Two P in a Mars bar. <laughs> the shepherds. Nobody got it right. No Mars bars, no two P. And they're at the bottom of the social chain. They're at the bottom of the social chain. Among the Jews at that at Christ's birth, shepherds were held in very low, lowest low esteem. In fact, the Talmud the Talmud? The Talmud, the Talmud, it's written that shepherds were not allowed in, the, in courts to be witnesses. They couldn't witness because they were, in fact, they, weren't, they were called heathens because they didn't have time to go and worship. They didn't have time to go to the, the temple because they're out doing what they're called to do. They're out looking after sheep and they have to do that 24-7, seven days a week. And so they don't go to the temple, therefore they are not clean. They are not part of the God story. They're the lowest chain of that community. Racism. It's there. It's right there. Shepherds were despised because they're unable to attend services and to keep rituals and ceremony laws. But thank God that God breaks in and he brings this message of peace to the marginalized. 
I, th I, I think that there's no, there's no mistake in that. There's no just by chance that God releases this message of favor and peace to the marginalized. To the marginalized, those who are sitting on the edge of society. He brings this great message of favor is on you and peace is on its way. It's good news for you that Christ is born. It's good news that he is here. Don't you love how God brings the message of peace? I do. Peace of mind. So what do you get stressed about? What makes you anxious today? What drives you out of your head and out of your mind? What is it keeps you up at night? For, for all of us, it's different. And we get this peace, this peace that passes all of our understanding, all of our logic. The peace that Jesus talked about when he said, the peace that I give to you is not like the word solutions. We all need something a little deeper, right? We all need something a little deeper. Peace, we think of non-conflict, which is true. It means much, much more than the absence of war, like Michelle talked about a couple of weeks. It means total well-being. It means every aspect of your life, your health, your marriages, your children, your family, your relationships with your neighbor, your crops, your herds, your fence, your fruits, your trees, your weather, your feast, your worship, and your celebration. It's all in there. It's all in there. So I'm going to take a quick, quick step and a leap into something that's quite different at Christmas time, and I want to talk about India. Because it just fits. And what happened just last week was Michelle and I and Steve and McCammon, we got to go on a train and a plane. We got to go on a plane. We didn't go on a train. We got to go on a plane. I'm still jet lagged. It is Sunday. And I am still your pastor. And my name is Jason. Um, and, and we got to see what shalom looks like. We got to see what this piece that passes understanding, this piece that passes logic. And, 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 and this is a man that we had met. Actually, we just got this photograph of him. He's a shepherd. And I thought, this is just so prophetic of what God is doing. This was on one of our last days that this guy was just walking around with a herd of sheep. And Stephen took this amazing photograph of this boy and this man. And I thought, that is just the heart of the Father in that nation. It's just the heart of the Father in that nation. Can you see the sheep tucked up in the guy's side? It's kind of cool, isn't it? And cute at the same time. And uh, so we were there and we were seeing the shalom of God. We were seeing how God's peace was passed out to those on the margins of society. Those who were in the margins. And yet God was still saying, guess what? You're still on the list for favor. You're still on the list for peace. It's going to happen and it's coming. And slowly and surely we saw the peace and the shalom of God turned into reality, turned into something that was substance, turned into something that was real, turned into something that was tangible. We saw lives transformed by the power and presence of Jesus. And we saw people's families well. We saw their relationships get better. We see the church growing. We see health in, in people's lives. We see water transforming their lives in a small way, clean water. We see people looking more alive in their lives. We see a young boy who's been healed from blood cancer within a year. We saw the miraculous happen and we saw the natural happen. We saw water and we saw saw Jesus turn water into wine. We saw miracles. Not literally. We didn't see water really turn into wine. But it would have been a cool thing if it had happened. But we saw the miracles of God. And so I want to invite Stephen to come up first. And, and we're going to just talk about what this peace looks like this morning in India. But as you listen to the stories of India, I want you to say me too. My family, would you be up for that this morning if we tell the stories? And there's power in the story. There's power in the story this morning. And as we tell these stories, God is going to hook our hearts time and time again so that we would give away this peace and we would see more people. Wouldn't that be cool? People in your workplace, add them to your favorite list this week. Who needs to go on the favorite list? Who needs to go on? Stephen, would you come? Maybe your mother-in-law, does she need to go on the favorite list? We need people added to the favorite list, and we do that by introducing them to an encounter with Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Um, I have, uh, Jess has asked me to speak for about 10 minutes, uh, I think. Isn't that right, Jess? Mm -hmm. Whether we're on the same page or not, we're about to find out. Um, basically, uh, as he said, we had a, a whirlwind trip uh, to Lucknow last week. Uh, the guys were out for six, seven days, I was out for th uh, four days. Um, but basically what I want to do is just explain uh, a little bit about what we hope to achieve on the trip uh, and then where we ended up, if that's okay. So th this is the third time that I've been out to Lucknow uh, since 2012. Um, and so far, um, 
Or so for those who haven't been around here um, to hear the story so far, I'm just going to give you a 60-second kind of summary of where we've got to. Now, our India story uh, goes back much further than that, um, but in the purposes of trying to get out of here before 1 o'clock, I'm going to limit it to uh, the stuff uh, of, of the last few years and also just the stuff that I've uh, had, the, had the privilege of being involved in. So basically, 2012, we toured around uh, villages with both OM and with Grace Foundation Ministries. Uh, we stuck our iPhones and our cameras into people's lives. Um, we got really excited about the wonderful pictures that we took uh, and that we'd captured. Um, hashtag no filter required. We posted those all on social media. Um, we prayed a lot. Uh, we saw some amazing things happening, um, like really amazing things. Um, we shared and we taught. Um, as well as somebody like me could teach. Um, and we told people that Jesus loved them. Um, and the hope that they took in knowing that Jesus loved them just was mind-blowing, even as they sat in their empty huts uh, with their dirty water and their open sewers. They were blown away that Jesus loved them. But I guess we kind of came away from that trip, uh, and I think it's fair to say, guys, uh, I think we all had this feeling that to say Jesus loves you and then full stop was great, it was wonderful, it was life-changing, but somehow it fell short of what Jesus was actually wanting from us. Um, we felt he wanted us to teach uh, the gospel message and that Jesus loves you, but he also wanted us to tell them uh, that he wanted them to have clean water, that he wanted them to be able to go to the toilet with safety and with dignity. Uh, he wanted their children to go to school instead of spending hours uh, walking to collect water. So you guys all got to work, uh, that's what happened, and since 2013 we've completed 12 projects which now enable 1,500 people um, to benefit daily from clean water and around 170 to 200 women and children to benefit from the provision of toilets. And I think we should have a couple of pictures, uh, Micah, possibly coming up. Maybe not. There will be a couple of pictures coming up which are the most recent uh, toilet and water pump projects uh, that you guys have enabled to happen. That's one of them. It's fantastic. And that's the toilet. And I don't know if Cheryl's here, but Cheryl, those balloons, those are your balloons in the background. Um, okay, so the purpose of this trip was to ask really for, uh, what next. We sensed God was saying uh, he wanted more from us, and I guess we needed to know what that more um, was going to be. And a verse that continues to challenge me regarding this whole journey with India is John 10, 10. Uh, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I, I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. Um, and maybe that's a kind of strange verse to link with something missional, but the words life in all its fullness, I just find them a constant challenge uh, in the context of India. What does life in all its fullness look like when you're a Dalit and untouchable uh, in Lucknow in India? Well, of course, it should include clean water and safe toilets, and it should also mean jobs and financial independence uh, and an ability to parent well, uh, an opportunity to educate your children, um, and a better future for you and for your family. That's what life in its fullness should look like. So last Saturday, we had the opportunity of spending a large portion of the day with a group of between 12 and 14 leaders um, from Grace Foundation Ministries. Somehow we managed to overcome the linguistic and cultural barriers, and through interpretation we held workshops where we talked about what kind of jobs or what type of work crea a job creation could bring renewal and restoration to otherwise broken and very fractured lives. We talked about possibilities, uh, we talked about the social and economic benefits that they could bring, and then we talked about the barriers uh, that would need to be overcome to make some of these things possible. The kind of things we discussed were uh, electric rickshaws, um, or e-rickshaws as they become known out there. We talked about fruit and veg shops, clothes shops, and uh, as, a, as a retailer in the West, I use the term shops quite loosely. Um, motorbike and bicycle repair shops, a man with a van, because every, every culture needs a man with a van. Um, cement machine operations, the owning of buffalo. 
We talked about as small as a basic trolley um, that would allow a man to sell fruit and vegetables on the street uh, to projects as ambitious as buying the equipment to actually drill and install water pumps and operating a building firm to install them so that in those installations we create employment while doing it. So there were a lot of small things and a lot of big things. Um, the vision, which is still unfolding as we speak, is to pioneer with Grace Foundation Ministries a number of microfinance projects where the project investments would range from as low as £50 uh, to up to £1,500 and maybe above. And don't panic, I'm not asking for money here. That's uh, OFC's doing that today and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not planning on doing that. But can I give you just a few examples and a few stories? Uh, this guy uh, we met, he is a qualified mechanic um, and he ran a, a, a basically a business where he, uh, where he fixed motorbikes. And it was out of a shed, a little bit like that, only it was wooden. And about two years ago, somebody burnt it down. Uh, and quite simply, his tools were destroyed, his premises were destroyed, he had no insurance. Uh, he had a family, uh, wife and children, an extended family, all depending upon him. Um, and he had, uh, his, basically his, his life went into, into a spiral of decline because he had nothing, no way of sorting that. Uh, Grace Foundation Ministry stepped in. They bought this uh, metal box, which is the shop. Uh, they somehow organized tools for him uh, and they got him set up and he is now supporting his family. His kids are back to school and life is on the up and he's experiencing once again, or maybe for the first time, life in its fullness. Second example is uh, an electric rickshaw. This guy uh, posing very nicely. I had a picture of Jason posing in that the exact same place, but I decided to spare you. Um, that picture, I just want to focus on that. Isn't that I had took, taken a picture of him sitting in the rickshaw, and I then went up to him and asked him as I was taking the picture, what does this mean to you? And that's what it means to him. Uh, and again, this is a guy who uh, had no employment, had no job. Um, the, the church acquired two of these electric rickshaws and they effectively rent them to the drivers. They pay a weekly, uh, a weekly rental for them. Uh, it allows him to support his family and bear in mind that the typical, a typical family uh, will be seven or more people um, in terms of uh, his kids and the extended family and that is allowing him to support them and to give them life opportunities uh, in the future. And the next two, uh, fruit and veg shops, or well, that's a, that's, that's a typical fruit and veg shop. That's not one that we're, we have any connection with, but that's the sort of thing, any of you guys who have been there before, you just see thousands of these. Uh, and then the next one is just, again, a typical shop um, on the side of the street. Uh, and, and what we want to do is to try and create opportunities for people to start operating shops like this, because that takes them from financial dependence into independence. Um, bear in mind that is, there, there are literally thousands of these all over the streets in Lucknow and indeed in the villages. Um, there are over three million people live in Lucknow alone, and that's before we go to the, we talk about the villages that, uh, that we're working in. Um, so the need for this is, is huge, and that is the main form of, of kind of trading. Um, the next one is, uh, uh, it's basically Lucknow's answer to, uh, to QuickFit. Um, you get your tires sorted there. Uh, that's the sort of project that, we, again, we've talked about. Um, it's the sort of thing we could do. And the next one, final one, is uh, quite simply a water buffalo. Um, uh, or a buffalo. We, we, had a, we had a bit of a disagreement over this. Um, Google says it is a water buffalo. But anyway. Um, the water buffalo produces 12 litres of milk a day. Um, two litres of that could be for the family. Ten litres of that could be sold. All of a sudden, that's a business, and that's an opportunity of taking somebody uh, who, who basically who is struggling to make ends meet, and it's given them a chance of life to the full. So our shared vision with Grace Foundation Ministries is that we would offer a variety of five or six projects which would require sponsors. Now, these sponsors could be a person, it could be a family, it could be a group of friends, it could be a business or a workplace, any assortment of people. And again, it's not necessarily for people donating. It could be through fundraising. It could be through a sponsored initiative. But, but it'd be a group of people who would adopt a project. Each project would have a period when the investment is then completely repaid. This is not handing something out for free. So for example, in the case of the e-rickshaw, the investment um, would be repaid over something like 36 months. 
um, and that would be, replay, re, be completely repaid on a weekly basis by the project beneficiary. Um, if it was a village shop, it would be much quicker. It would be maybe in 12 months. During the project, there would be the opportunity for the project sponsor and the beneficiary, if that's the right word, um, to communicate with the sponsor, to hear about the progress, to hear about the life change. It's about real human connection, and that's where, where I think this is just really exciting and really special. Um, we would hear of the life change, and we'd be able to encourage uh, and, and pray for those people uh, and the business that we are effectively uh, sponsoring. Then I guess the exciting bit, once the money is then repaid, uh, it's then used to invest in another rickshaw or another shop or another buffalo or whatever with a new person and the whole relationship and process would start all over again and again and again. And I guess the multiplication impact of this is huge. Uh, if we were to support initially 10 projects, that's probably supporting 70 people. Um, that's enabling children to grow up healthily with an education, and then they too can remain in a cycle of hope and opportunity. Then those 10 projects would become 20, and then the 20 would become 30 and so forth, and all of that is with the same initial amount of money. If the invested money then grew uh, as more and more people got involved, as more and more people sort of caught the vision of the human connection with these guys, then the multiplication effect just becomes enormous. Um, <laughs> there, will be, there will be a lot of challenges with this. This is India. Uh, it won't run smoothly, um, but it's a vision that is forming, and it's a vision that feels that we're being led into it. Um, and there's not a lot we can do about that. Um, of course, water and toilets will remain uh, front and central for what we want to do. We just don't see a payback for water and toilets as surely they are a human right. Um, I've been challenged both after this trip and after previous trips to India about the size of the Indian economy and the growth of the Indian economy and why isn't India sorting out India's own poor? Uh, India is a power-based culture. It's rooted in the caste system. The caste system has been thousands of years in the making and it won't change easily. And the gap between those who have and those who have not is widening rapidly. Uh, the poor will continue to be marginalized and ignored by the upper castes in India. Uh, if you've been following in the media the cash crisis caused by demonetization over the last uh, three to four weeks, you'll see that those whose lives are currently being turned upside down by this decision are once again the poor and the marginalized. And for now, guys, that's just how it is, and that's how it will be. And I guess my answer to the challenge, and I've, had, I've been challenged by this by you know, many people over the last number of years, uh, of it not being our problem. It's a, my, my answer to it is a deeply personal answer, um, but it's in Matthew 25, 35 to 40. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And I guess I've read that, and at no point can I find the small print that says, so long as you did it within your own national borders and onto one of your own national citizens. Um, any more, guys, than the VCD community has poured its love into the refugee crisis or into those who connect with REACH or other parts of our, our compassion ministries. We have somehow found ourselves as a, as a church um, connecting deeply with a community on the other side of the world. Um, and that isn't exactly convenient, um, but God is making it very difficult for us to walk away. God keeps opening doors out there and showing us opportunities. And it feels that as we continue to be challenged, while the vision keeps growing, we must keep responding. Um, what I would say is this may not be your passion, and, get, and that's absolutely fine. Um, we are all led towards different passions, and as I say, it's a personal thing. That really is okay. What we do want to see uh, is for this to widen beyond the, the VCD family, 
so that when we do launch this, the next phase of our connection with Grace Foundation Ministries, which will be probably well into spring 2017, that we'll be trying to take it beyond these four walls and hope that you'll be able to help us, if not financially, then perhaps with your contacts or your networks or with your influence. We hope to put together a booklet explaining the opportunities that can be shared. Uh, we'll have that in hard copy and electronically. I'm convinced, I think we're all convinced, that we can, we can do some amazing things uh, in the coming years by putting money to work that continues to bring life in its fullness to family after family after family, releasing hundreds and hundreds of people into the kingdom of God on earth in Lucknow, living life to the full. In closing, and uh, proper closing, not Jason closing, um, <laughs> these, next few, these next few pictures, um, guys, there is a selection of people that we, all of us, have already helped. Um, through your generosity, these people are seeing beyond their Dalit labeling as the untouchables and the cruelty of the caste system. They're beginning to see that they are lovable, that they're not destined to a life of never-ending poverty, and that through the love of Jesus, exercised through the compassion of this little community in County Tyrone, for some, life to the full is becoming a very, very real option. Thank you. What Stephen won't tell you, but I will, is um, just the absolute amazing input that this man has. Um, with just, I got to sit in the session where we had um, the India leaders there and some other actually young guys who are up and coming leaders in Grace Foundation Ministries. And uh, the way G or Stephen was able to facilitate that meeting and just get the best out of people in the room who were the experts, because we're not the experts, we're just coming from Dungannon. We don't know about India life. Um, but how he was able to do that and just with real grace and humility, just really help them steer where they need to go was brilliant. So thank you, Stephen. Real, um, you're a real absolute asset. Um, and uh, I love that we're all about the practical. And as Stephen said, you know, you absolutely to pe for people to know that God loves them is the most important thing. But then to leave them hungry and naked and without clean water is not okay. That's not who we are. Um, I want to just tell you a couple of quick stories about some of the women that I got to meet. Um, I just got to meet some of the most incredible, incredible women while I was out there from day one right through until my, my last session that I, that I did when I was there. And um, one of the days um, we did a I did a session just for women, and I had a session in the morning, and that was mainly village women, and they were great crack. Oh my goodness, they were great crack. They were full of real personalities, and uh, that was just such a really great session in someone's living room. And then in that afternoon, I was in another uh, church, and it was kind of more, still some village ladies, but a wee bit more of an urban crowd, because they kept talking about their urban church and their village churches. And you could actually tell, just tell a difference, it's a bit like here, just people are people, aren't they? But um, sitting with them and talking, and one of the things that I loved to do was to hear their stories and to get them to tell me how they were doing and to ask questions and just to, um, just to begin to to sort of get to know what their life was like. And there was this one girl, young woman, um, and at the end I had um, taught about, actually about peace. And I just said, look, any questions, anybody? I was, my, in my head I was thinking, you know, do you have any questions? Is there anything you want to know? Um, either just about, about my life, about whatever. And they straight away were straight into prayer requests. Because in my head, that was my next thing. We were going to have some questions, and then I was going to jump to ministry. Straight away, it was, I need prayer for. And there was this one girl, young girl. She was absolutely beautiful. And she started talking about how when she was 15, she became a Christian. So she was from a Hindu family living in a village, rural village. And um, I don't know how she got to know about Jesus, but she did when she was 15 years old. Her and her brother had given her lives to Jesus. And from that time on, they started cycling around all these other villages all around them. And they would lead people to Jesus in every village they went to. Just time and time again, they would go and they would tell more and more people about Jesus. 
And that was fantastic. I was like, wow, that is absolutely amazing. Could you imagine if that was somebody here and that's what they did? But the talk of the whole Northern Ireland, wouldn't it? Somebody on a bicycle going around, village to village, leading people to Jesus. And, um, and then she got really sad looking and, and I was, there was a, a time delay because you could see the expression change but I hadn't yet been translated as to what she was saying because she was speaking in Hindi. And then the translator explained to me that the reason she was sad and what she wanted prayer for is she'd recently got married in the past couple of years and now her mother-in-law didn't allow her to go from village to village on the bicycle to tell people about Jesus. And she was completely devastated. It was like... This was like the worst thing for her. Um, so she wanted prayer that her mother-in-law would change her mind and let her go again to go from village to village um, to tell people about Jesus. And she wanted to see not just um, those people become Christians, but she just had a real passion to see her whole family and her whole village just come to know the Lord. And I was just so humbled by her heart and her desire um, that she just longed for people to experience what she'd experienced. You see, knowing Jesus had completely changed her life. Completely changed her life. The Hindu religion is not a nice religion. You know, it's about trying to appease all the time. There's all these thousands of gods that you're constantly trying to make happy and trying to appease. It's not a, you know, it's not a nice sort of feel-good kind of religion that, that these people are, are, are caught up in or brought up in even. And when she had experienced Jesus and she found Jesus, she had found love and freedom and grace and acceptance. So for her, she just wanted to keep giving him away and giving him away. At that same meeting, there was another lady. And actually, her husband is the rickshaw driver. You've got his picture up. And this is, this is the story. This is another back story for this, this gentleman here. And... Um, his wife came forward for prayer, and she was really um, unsettled and not really not very happy. And, um, and I started to pray for her, and Leanne uh, Avanish's wife and the other pastor's wife, Renu, she was with me, and they were translating, and they said, look, this lady is very disturbed. We're, we are not sure um, sometimes whether she's mentally unwell or whether it's something spiritual that's happening with her. Um, so I was like, okay, so we'll pray. And she said that um, her family, she was from a Hindu background, but she had become a Christian. Her husband here, he's a, follow, a follower of Jesus. And he was a really, I have to say, from all the husband's point of view, he really stood out for me. He was just so supportive of his wife. Like every time you seen him, you could tell that, that he knew she was vulnerable because he was just constantly at her side. He was constantly right there with her all the time. Um, not in the, the, obviously not in the women's meeting, but the rest of the time when we saw them. So we started to pray um, for this lady, and then what, what was her story was she would experience some freedom and some peace in her life with Jesus, and at church they would pray for her, and, and she would, you could see, they says you could see the peace of God on her life. And then every so often her family would try to get her to go back. Her mother would try to get her to go back to the village. And she would literally disappear for days on end. She would leave her child and she would just go back. And she would get caught up in the whole Hindu practices again. And then she would come back. And every time she came back, she was just completely disturbed and really unwell. So we started to pray for her. And I'm praying my best prayers. And I'm just asking for the peace of God to come. I'm praying for the shalom of God to come. And, bring, and I'm praying for God to heal. If she had a mental illness, that God would heal her mind. I'm just doing all my best prayers. And I'm praying and I'm looking at her straight in the eye. And she's looking at me. And <clears throat> she started to speak in English. Which I didn't really pass any remarks to. I just kept on praying. Prayed away, prayed away. And then at the end, um, Renu said, turned to me and she said, did you hear her speak in English? And I went, yeah. And she goes, she can't speak English. She's from a village. She can't read or write. And she definitely can't speak English. So it took my brain a wee minute or two to compute that information. And I'm going, huh, she definitely did speak English, didn't she? And she went, yeah, she, she spoke a whole sentence to you in English. So at this stage... I recognized that what was happening was there was a demon 
that was manifesting itself with this lady. So I did what all uh, sensible people did. I called Jason, <laughs> who was in one of the wee rooms, because he was like waiting to go home, and, and we were taking way longer praying for all the people than we'd planned. And I was like, Pastor Jason, give you your full title in this moment. Would you come and help me pray for um, this lady? And I have to say that, you know, sometimes when you're faced with a when you're faced with a supernatural encounter like that, you don't quite know how you're going to feel. It's not something I go looking for. I'll be honest. It's not something I've prayed for. Oh God, let me have a demonic encounter. That's not something I'm wanting to see. But in that moment, my heart was for that lady. I thought, she needs set free. Whatever this thing is, it is absolutely torturing the life out of her. She's been tortured day and daily. And my heart and my, my desire was the same as the father's desire, was for her to experience freedom. Um, but I also knew from what the ladies had told me that she was actually, by going back and forward and back and forward, she wasn't really taking command of, of her own life either. But I still knew God's, God's greater than that. So Jason and I prayed, and we just prayed for the peace of God to come. And as we did that, you honestly could see peace descend on her like a blanket. And you could see her calming. Before, when I was praying for her, she was shaking. At one stage, I thought she was going to fall. She was going to fall down, and we held her up, and we prayed. And the more we prayed, you could just see the shaking easing, isn't that right? And you could just see the peace of God coming on her life and beginning. And, and I, I love this whole story for her. You see, God breaks in supernaturally, and he brings peace to her life, and that is absolutely fantastic. And please, please continue to pray for her. This journey is not over for this lady. She needs a lot of peace and a lot of miraculous encounter with God in her life. But she has a husband who loves her, and she has a husband now who is able to provide for her and provide for their children. Imagine if that same lady was in a situation where her whole life was in turmoil and she didn't have that. It would be even more incredibly, incredibly difficult. Um, can I tell you one more story? Time for one more. Okay. Um, one of the things that was really in my heart before when we were planning the trip, I really felt that um, I wanted to spend some time just with the pastor's wives. Um, and they are just the pastor's wives there. There was a wee comedy moment. We were in the car with um, Avanish and Leanne's daughter, Abigail. And her and I became really best friends. And we were chatting on our night before we came home. And she said something about Pastor Jason. And, and then she said something about her daddy was a pastor. And I said, or Leanne said, Michelle's a pastor too. And she went, <laughs> She went, no, you're not. I went, yeah, I am. She went, no, you're not. You're a girl. And I went, I am a girl. I'm also a pastor, and she just could not, she's four, she was just not having any of it. She's like, no, you're not, don't be ridiculous, you're not a pastor. So then I made her count how many pastors there were in the car. I said, there's three pastors in the car. Anyway, I digress. I wanted to pray for the ladies. I wanted to spend some time with them. So on the day that um, the men were all barbecuing, very stereotypical, they were all barbecuing, and the ladies, we were in a room together, the four pastor's wives and myself, and... Um, Leanne, just as we were getting ready to go, she said to me, you know, we have never done this. And I was like, what? She says, we have never all got together like this. And uh, she says, the men, once a month, they have a pastor's meeting and they all get together. She says, but we never, ever, ever just get together, just us. And in that moment, I thought, I thought okay, Lord, this is why I'm here. This is, this is a huge part of why I'm here. So we sat in the room and I had planned to do a whole teaching thing with them. And I just thought, you know, the Lord has been really teaching me lately, and this is for all of us. The Lord has been really teaching me about what is it that he has put in me uniquely that I can give away. So I sat for a moment. I thought, okay, Lord, what is it you have given me uniquely that I can give to these women that's actually going to make a difference in their life? And I... And I remembered in that moment actually one of the things the Lord has given me is vulnerability so I just began by sharing an incredibly vulnerable story about myself that just broke down all the walls and the ladies around the room I talked about a time when I needed to ask for help from people in my life when I needed to ask for help and how that felt very vulnerable and I asked them all around the room I said around the table I said when have you asked for help 
And every single one of them said never. Apart from what their husbands said, never, ever ask for help. And Pastor Bublé's wife, she's a lovely lady, she sat and she started sharing about her, her, how her son, her only son, had been diagnosed with blood cancer last year. And I, she told me this earlier, so I knew this already, but she started telling and the other, what, the other wives just started to weep with her. They just sat and they cried as she told them because that was the very first time they'd heard that. She'd never told them. She'd never told them. She'd never contacted them and said, will you pray for me? Will you help me in this? And they had gone through this as a family on their own, clinging to Jesus, praying and all that, but without the comfort of having somebody to stand with their arm around you and actually pray for you. So in the end, they all prayed for each other. They wept. They cried. They comforted each other. And I just thought, God, this is such a good thing, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but if anything that I came away from India with was we need each other. And I could not do my life without the people that I had praying for me back here. I couldn't have done my trip to India without the people that were praying for me while I was away. I couldn't do my life week to week, month to month, if I didn't have the people around me holding me up and supporting me. And it's exactly the same thing for those ladies there. So would you continue to pray for them? Would you pray for them in this journey now where they're now going to meet regularly? And they're going to pray for each other and they're going to support each other and they're going to do those things. And I'm hoping I haven't gotten into too much trouble with their husbands by promoting that. Um, but I don't think I will have. And uh, I think that's me. So, so many stories to tell, so little time to tell it. And uh, this stand, there's miraculous in the room right now, the power of power of Jesus is here, the presence of the King is here in the room, and as we release the stories of healing, as we release the stories of the miraculous and God's provision, His real peace, His shalom, I want you to experience it also this morning. So let's just go for it this morning. There's grace in the room for Christ to show up and to do what He does best, and that's to break in and touch our hearts and touch our lives, and He wants to do that right now. So we have very little time left. So if you're sick in your body this morning, there's grace in the room. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for physical healing this morning. We have seen so many things happening in there, stories that we couldn't even tell you this morning. And no time to tell you, but just God showing up in the miraculous, touching bodies, touching minds. Uh, the last day we were there, we prayed for people with tumors. And I actually saw something shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink till I couldn't see it anymore. I've not seen that. And I want more of that. But if you can do it in India, you can do it here. Yeah. He is that God.